The NFL Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $100 at WinBet and get a $100 free bet. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. I'm just about that action, boss. You have to be kidding me. That is impossible. I'm raising the ante. Anybody wants it, yeah. Welcome in to the NFL Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He is Scott Reichel. I am Rod Gomez. back once more for some NFL gambling action. This is, of course, the time of the week where we break down all of the totals and give you our take on what to bet on, how to bet, and uh, and basically just uh, if we think these games are going to actually be as action-packed or as less action-packed as they're predicted to be. Scott? How's it going, bud? Doing well. Nice to be on the uh, NFL podcast once again with you for, I believe, the... I'm trying to remember. This is the second straight time on the NFL, but we also did a prop cast. Yeah, right? I, I was going to say I've lost track. Right? Yeah, we're just basically so, yeah. all over. <laughs> uh, it's fun. Either way, I know that uh, we crushed it for the last couple of days. I know that for the late games, we both had the Jaguars money line, which was nice, which got there. Now, to be honest, we might have taken that because we thought Herbert wasn't going to play, but still won, you know, still spends the same. And uh, I also had the Rams minus three and a half. They ended up getting there after forcing Arizona into kicking a field goal in the final couple minutes. So I swept with my lock and dog, which was nice. I'm trying to remember what your lock was. You had what did you have for your lock? I don't know that I had my San Francisco lock. I'd have to pull I was gonna get, back up I was again. wondering if you had San Francisco or not. God, I'm I not hope sure. not. I, I, I'm going to go back and listen through it because I swear to God, that Niner game just made me want to, like, if I had a foam brick to throw at the television, I would have done exactly that. I need to buy one of those, Scott. If this season's going to pan out the way it is, I need, like, three or four foam bricks that I can throw at that television because I'm not going to break mine like that one Bills fan did. The only thing I know is that I know both of us liked the under in that game. I, I think we were leaning to the Niners. I was It was basically a coin flip for me because Denver was at home. And it played like a coin flip game because both teams didn't look very good offensively. And then Denver did enough at the end. Garoppolo might have forgotten where he was standing by the one-yard line, and that resulted in two points. On the bright side, it saved them another five points because he threw a pick on the same play, which didn't count. But... Overall, the primetime games were something, I guess. I mean, they were competitive, but they weren't very entertaining. And hopefully the primetime games get a little bit more exciting moving forward. But as far as the show went, I believe we went, we did very well in the afternoon games. I, I'd like to think so. We'll have to go back and check the tape. But uh, yeah, I think we called those pretty pretty down. The, and again, I mean, it was the, the San Francisco Giants uh, losing to the Colorado Rockies. Uh, 10 to 11 in that or 11 to 10 in that game so yeah it was just uh it was horrendous I I don't even want to relive that thing but now we're talking prime time and that's where we're going to start uh Scott we're going to start start in prime time this one is intriguing only because it is the Miami Dolphins taking on Cincinnati in Cincinnati and obviously Miami's surprising the world now at 3 and 0 Cincinnati coming off of their Super Bowl hangover 1 and 2 the over under here, if you can find it, is forty seven to forty seven and a half. 
Um, these two teams we know can put up points in bunches. So 47 feels low. But then again, Scott, we just got done talking about this. Primetime games have been sorely lacking in scoring. So what, what kind of conundrum are we in here with two high-scoring teams in a, in a Thursday night game? So here's my kind of takeaway from last week or just a question I'm going to ask for you. Maybe it's rhetorical. Maybe it's just a standard question. Can Cincinnati still not block anybody? Because they played the Jets. Like, I don't know exactly how much to read into that because the Jets were awful last week and Cincinnati's defense has still been pretty good this season. The issue is the offense kept going three and out all the time because Burrow was on his back half of the game. But Miami's offense did something that has barely been done in the history of the NFL. And in that victory against Buffalo, there was a stat that I feel like kind of jumps off the page there because Miami got the job done. You know, they ended up winning the game. They ran 39 plays. Buffalo ran 90 for comparison. 39 plays is some of the fewest plays any NFL team has ever run and won in the same game. So Miami's offense really didn't do much. And Buffalo was missing, what, about six defensive starters in that game? And you had a turnover by Allen, which resulted in a free touchdown because they basically turned it over at their own six-yard line. You had a bomb pass to Waddle on third and 23, which resulted in another touchdown. That was the biggest play of the game. But for the most part, Miami didn't do anything offensively. So I feel like I'm willing to call the second half of the uh, or the fourth quarter of that Dolphins-Ravens game a bit of a fluke because I saw Tua look like normal Tua last week. I'm not sure if he had a concussion or not. That's a separate story, but, you know, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But I am looking at these defenses, and Miami did a very good job of bending but not breaking against the, against uh, Buffalo especially. Buffalo had 90 plays. They kept th- uh, Allen at 400 passing yards. They only scored 19 points. So I do like these defenses, and I do think that these defenses are capable of worst-case scenario giving up yards but not giving up touchdowns, which of course matters. Plus, primetime games have been such a phenomenal angle for unders for, th- for this season. I think I'm going to take the under because I actually think both defenses can get the job done and generate pressure. Burrow, I still like as a quarterback, but I still question the offensive line. And Tua really did not look great, and I don't think he's really looked great besides a quarter and a half against Baltimore this season. So for about 10 or 11 and a half quarters, for about 10 or 11 quarters, I think Tua's looked mediocre at best. So I'm going with the under. I think this number's a little bit high, but it's also a bit of a short week. And I do kind of wonder if both teams will be there physically. I'm going to go with an under. Yeah, I'm rolling under two. The only game that has hit the over any of Mark is that Baltimore game that went over the the 43 and a half point total that was there. <laughs> Cincinnati has yet to even hit 46, 44, 42. Those are their uh, those are their over under totals from the first three games of the season. None of those have hit. So you're talking five out of six games in which these two teams have played combined and only one has hit the over. Now we add out Thursday night on top of that. Yeah, I'm not seeing 47 points scored in this game. This is going to be more of the, I think if the if Miami does win, it's going to be another one of these 27 to 20 or to 12 or even 2023 20, ugly games that these these uh, steel or these uh, Bengals have been in. So I, I yeah, I'm going to lean. I want the hook, though. Give me 47 and a half because I don't want to push. So if you yeah, can find the hook, give me that. Yeah. 
I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the hook as well. I mean, if I'm taking an under, give me a free half point if you could find it. But I do think at the end of the day, it might not be the easiest cash in the world, but I think it gets there. Yeah, I again, I think so too. And I'm I'm not seeing Thursday night being a score of Palooza. Uh, and and both of these teams have, I want to say, decent running games. Like Joe Mixon is is good enough to carry a, a few loads if he can get there. And then Miami, you know, Raheem Mostert came along a little bit too. So. Uh, yeah, give me give me those running games and give me the under. So I like that. Yep. Uh, all right, let's turn to Sunday morning. It's an early morning game. Yeah, this this one is a across the pond game uh, where we have Minnesota taking on New Orleans at nine thirty in the morning. So wake up early for this one. Uh, the over under here set at forty three and a half. If you can find forty four, it's out there. But most uh, most books have it at forty three and a half. Uh, this is a, a an interesting one as well because <laughs> Minnesota just kind of went in a in a mini shootout against Detroit last week, whereas New Orleans has not found its way offensively at all. Uh, only scored fourteen points last week, ten points against Tampa. Um, so I mean, there's a lot lot to be desired here for both of these teams. But forty three and a half, Scott. This is this is almost disrespectful numbers, but do the circumstances work against them? Well, I do want to ask you, because since this game is taking place in London, I know it's 9.30 on the East Coast, but since they're in a different time zone, does this count as a primetime game for Kirk Cousins? (laughs) That's a good question. I didn't even think about that. Uh, So that's a whole separate can of worms there. On the bright side, uh, he's still better than Daniel Jones in primetime, but that's from a story about yesterday. I believe Daniel Jones is 0 for 9 right now, but either way, uh, this line is really, really, I'd say, interesting one way or another because if you think Minnesota is going to win and cover, then I think the game's going over. But if New Orleans has any chance of keeping it close, the game's definitely going under. Jameis has not been good. I'm not going to fully blame him, though, because he is playing with fractures and basically his back or neck, so he's completely, completely compromised. He's just trying to tough it out. But as you said before, New Orleans' offense is not very good. And... They also had one They had one really good quarter, which was the fourth quarter against Atlanta. They've done basically nothing offensively in every other quarter. And Minnesota had a nice come-from-behind win against Detroit. Uh, they got the job done there. It was a bit of a higher-scoring game, but I, that game still went under, even though that game landed 52. I think I'm going to lean to the under. I don't think New Orleans is a good team. But I think they can hang around a little bit, and maybe I'm hoping both teams start off a bit sluggish because they're traveling and they're going to London. But the Saints' defense is still solid. The offense isn't very good, but I'm hoping they get Kamara more involved. And Minnesota, even though they beat Detroit, did nothing offensively for the first quarter and a half and change. So the point is, Minnesota is still susceptible to slow starts. I'm hoping that the Saints can generate pressure and that they can make this game extremely competitive because Cousins, we know when he faces pressure, isn't exactly the best quarterback in the league, and I'm being kind of generous. I th- I can understand why people would take an over. I'm actually going to take an under. I don't know where Justin Jefferson's gone for the past two weeks, but until he resurfaces, I'm not sure if I'm a fan of these Minnesota weapons. I'm going to go with the under. I-, I see a 23-17 game, but it's mostly because I don't see the Saints really doing much because they haven't done anything up to this point. Yeah, and they're traveling across, right? I mean, this is always one yeah. of those situations. And that's why this this total is probably as low as it is because these London games, you know, they put a strain on on a lot of folks. And Dalvin Cook possibly play 
right? That that puts another weapon back in there. But even still, you look at the first three games in Minnesota, 27-3 against Green Bay. Uh, they won. They lost 24-7 against Philadelphia. It was, it was 23-7 against yeah. Green Bay. Yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah. 23-7. Uh, and then, you know, look across to, to New Orleans. Yeah, they had that 27-26 game against Atlanta, but then they turn around. They lost 20-10 to to Tampa, and then 22-14 to against Carolina. None of those hit the 43-and-a-half mark that they were at. So, um, yeah, this, this, uh, this New Orleans team is not living up to their side of it anyways, even if uh, um, Minnesota was going to score 25 points. I'm not sure that, uh, that uh, New Orleans would even get 20. So I'm definitely okay with the under there as well, especially given where it's at, how early it is for us, and uh, just the, the distractions that go on in those games. Yeah, and I alluded to it before, but for the actual numbers, New Orleans scored 17 points in that fourth quarter against Atlanta, which means in the other three quarters, they scored 10. Against Tampa, they scored 10. They really had three. It was a garbage-time touchdown, which they scored with a couple minutes to go. And then they also ended up scoring 14 with basically another garbage I can't say it had a garbage-time touchdown, but the game was kind of out of reach, and they gave him an onside kick draw at the end. So barring the last couple minutes of the fourth quarter, this team has barely scored for the first three and a half quarters of games. I think that's going to kill the over-under, or going to kill the over in this case. I'm going to go with the under. Yes, sir. I think we're both in lockstep on that one. Uh, all right, let's move over to the games that are actually happening here on American soil. And it begins with the Tennessee Titans at one and two, taking on the one, 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 and one, one and one Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the over under here is set even lower at 42 and a half. If you can find it at 43, it's out there. It's, I've even seen 44 in a couple of places as well. Uh, but yes, this is a 42 and a half pretty much consensus against these two teams. Uh, I mean, how the mighty have fallen. Tennessee now 1-2, and two, uh, and, and they basically just uh, barely hung on to beat Las Vegas last week. And then Indianapolis, surprising, beating the Col- or the Chiefs last week. So is, are these teams capable of, of hitting this over, uh, or, or are we just in for another slugfest between two run-heavy teams? I think it's possible, but I'm not picking it. I am going to go with the under. I want, I'm want. i going to take an over at some point, I promise. But for this game, I really don't like either offense. Tennessee did a good job against one of the worst defenses in the league in the Raiders. And a good job is in, they scored 24. Which, you know, is a solid performance, but the Raiders' defense is not very good. So you can argue that 24 is a pretty mediocre uh, performance based on the competition. Meanwhile, the Colts beat the Chiefs. They had a very, very nice final game-winning drive. But Matt Ryan was useless for three quarters. I mean, we could just be completely honest here. The Chiefs were awful in the red zone. They gave the Colts every opportunity to win the game by about 20. And every time they tried, Matt Ryan turned the ball over. Every time. And I do think that he's completely washed. I don't think he's got much left in the tank. Tano was okay last week, and Henry got going a bit. But I'm curious how much of that, once again, was the Raiders' defense. I think the Colts are just a dead-under team because they play good defense. And the quarterback plays atrocious. So even though they won the game, I am not sold on Indianapolis's offense because Matt Ryan looked really, really bad for about 55 minutes out of 60. I'm taking the under because I think that you're going to see a slugfest where first team to 20 wins. And I'm not sure if the Colts get to, get to 20 or 17 in regulation. I'm going to go with the under. I know Tennessee's pass defense is not great, but the Colts can't exactly throw the ball that well. 
Taylor hasn't really done anything so far this season. And Henry got going against the Raiders, but, you know, the Raiders' defense is a lost cause. It's why they're 0-3 this season. I'm going to go with the under because I'm not sold on Tannehill or Matt Ryan, mostly Matt Ryan. I'm going to dare one of them to beat me. I, I think uh, we're both basically boring by taking unders, but this is we're trying to win people money. We're not trying to be entertaining at this point. We're trying to win you money. And the unders at this point are going to win you some money. Again, like what has Matt Ryan shown? Like I can't take an over in his games. He doesn't do anything. The, the, okay, in perspective, ready? They've they played three games so far this season. They've scored 40 over the course of two of them. They got shut out in another one. Like They've not scored more than 20 points in a game so far this season. Now, that won them last week, the game, but by and large, it's it's frustrating because you just see that that's their, that's their ceiling. 20 points is their ceiling right now. You turn around to the Tennessee side of it, they want to get back to running the ball, and that means clock control. They scored 20 points against the Giants. They scored seven against Buffalo, 24 against Las Vegas. So in a, in a, in a game where both of these teams can barely breach the 20-point uh, mark, like you're right, this is going to be a race to 20, and I don't see either one of them getting too much over 20 uh, if even one team does. So, yeah, I want the under on this one as well. Unfortunately, that's three unders in a, yeah, three unders in a row, but what can you do? You know, it's not like they're giving us much of a choice. These teams are not playing the best. So this early morning slate, maybe hold your nose and bet type of a situation. Mm. All right, let's move on to um, another one that's intriguing in so much as their records are the same. And we just watched one get exploded on in prime time. But it's the Chicago Bears taking on the New York Giants, both 2-1. and one. And we're looking at the over-under on this one at 39 as the highest, you can find it at 38 and a half. There are places that you can uh, do that. But I, I think we're in for another lockstep here where I, I want the 39. But it's it's the Giants and it's the Bears. You talk about offenses that don't impress, Scott. These are two of the ones that I think are have been squeaking by so far this season. The record does not show everything. Yeah, it's definitely true, but the Bears had a barn burner of a 23-20 game against the Texans. That went over, but honestly, when you're watching that game, it really felt like there were a lot more points, and it ended up with 43, but the first half, just everyone was going up and down, and you still only had 43 in the end. The Giants ended up losing not just to the Cowboys, but they lost their arguably best receiver because Sterling Shepard basically tore his ACL, and he's out for the year. Uh, it's unfortunate because he's been injured a lot in his career. And then on the interception that lost the game, he ended up destroying his knee. So trying to think of the Giants' actual receivers right now, you don't have many options because the one they're paying the most money can barely get on the field because he's bad. And Galladay had two drops yesterday. The one catch he actually made didn't count because it was an offensive pass interference penalty. They don't have many weapons. And Tony's barely playing, if even active. They drafted Robinson from Kentucky. I don't think he's he's ever seen the field, or he barely sees the field. But Shepard was their main guy. And now he's not available. So I don't think they have many options at receiver. I don't like the offense that much anyway. That Daniel Jones two-minute drill belongs in the Louvre yesterday. That was a hell of an experience. But the Bears, Justin Fields, if you look at his passing numbers... They've been awful the last two games. And the Packers won. They got blown out. 
which doesn't explain why he basically only attempted about 11 passes. But the weather was bad. It was raining. So you can argue, you know, maybe they tried to do whatever. He went 8 for 17 against the Texans with two picks and zero touchdowns. I didn't know the Texans defense was the 85 Bears. I wasn't aware of that. I didn't get the memo. But Fields is just such a bad passer. And yes, I know that there's no talent around him. And the Bears are basically setting him up for failure. He, he can't throw. And with the lack of weapons for the Giants and the lack of quality quarterback play from both teams, I'm going to go with the under. Because once again, I think it's a race to 20. I don't think both teams get the 20. Give me some type of, I don't even know, like 20 to 16 type of game, like 20 to 13 type of game. I'm going with the under. I think this number is a bit too high. So I'll hearken back to week one in the monsoon in Chicago. 1910 was the score. They beat the San Francisco 49ers. I think we're in for more of that type of a score. Um, maybe even a 10 to 27 uh, Green Bay score, but let's let's temper that. How about a 10 to 23? I'm definitely taking the under on this one as well. Again, man, it's just it's frustrating because none of these teams' offenses, just like you said, are are worth counting on them to score points in bunches. You know, when you look at what the the Bears have done, the most they've scored in this season is 23. So, I mean, I, you can't even count on them to to blow out a, a bad team like Houston in 23 to 20. So. Turn around to the Giants, the same thing. 21 points is the most points they've scored. You're right, Sterling Shepard. Oh, by the way, I do know one of those weapons names, by the way. It's Rich James, and one his one catch way, way late in the game lost me my Scott Fishbowl uh, matchup, so I'm a little bit ticked off about that. I lost by one point, 156. I was going to say David Sills, but you know, oh, that's yeah. the point. We're kind of scratching the bottom of the barrel here, but I actually do want to briefly mention Fielder's completion numbers, and I kind of mentioned it briefly, but... Fields, this is crazy. Once again, the year's 2022. Every team throws the ball. Fields has had less than nine completions in each of the first three games this season. How does that even happen? That's just insane. I, but they, he's a running quarterback, Scott. <laughs> I, I guess, but at the same point, I'm not, I'm not going to take an over if your quarterback's going to complete nine passes. <laughs> it's just, well, I can't take an over. Yeah, I, yeah for sure. For sure. Uh, all right. We've got more bre- more games to break down when we come back from the break. Let's step away for a second and ask you, are you thinking of joining WinBet? Well, now's the perfect time. New customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. Plus, the WinBet Casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia with way more to come. Plus, WinBet has their own same-game parlay feature. Just click on the game you like, select Build Your Own Bet, and start building a monster parlay. There's so much to choose from. All you got to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet so they know that we say you that sports gambling podcast.com slash w-i-n-n-b-e-t to claim your free bet today offer subject to change terms and conditions women.com must be 21 owner or present the state where play through WinBet is available if you or someone you know has a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 if you're like me there's a foreign language that you regret not learning in school but for me i regret learning it because my grandma tried to teach me spanish and i never wanted to learn it as a kid so now 
I need to go back and correct that mistake, and it's never too late to start with Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, and thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you can finally cross learning that new language, whatever it may be for you, off your list. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson, so you can start having a real-life conversation in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps, they use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers, not computer. Google is not translating this for you. It is actual real live people. Teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. And with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and so many more. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. There's so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start learning your new language journey today with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash SGP. That's babbel.com slash SGP for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Our favorite language is winning money here on the NFL Gambling Podcast. I was almost going to say podcast. This is what happens, Scott, when you host far too many shows on this network, right? Yeah, happens all the time. <laughs> Let's move on to, uh, actually, this is going to be an interesting game. I'm, I'm going to have some fun. Hopefully this game is on my television. If not, I'll, I'll go get Fubo TV and get Red Zone so I can watch this. It's Buffalo taking on Baltimore uh, in Baltimore. And this over-under, Scott, is set at 52 points. They feel as if Buffalo and Baltimore can put up points. And why not? That's all they've done so far this season. I'm going with the over, and it feels good that the highest total by far that we mentioned on the show, I'm going to take the over on, uh, but I kind of have to. Buffalo, once again, they scored 19 points last week. They had 400-plus passing yards. They ran 90-plus plays. The offense went up and down the field. The issue, really the only flaw right now with Buffalo is short yardage situations, which kind of sounds crazy because they have a refrigerator playing quarterback. But for whatever reason, they really have just struggled in short yardage. We saw them have a couple of fourth down turnovers against Tennessee in Monday night. And then yesterday, they couldn't get in on the goal line a couple of times there. So that's something they need to work on. But Baltimore got into a shootout with New England. That takes skill, you know, to get into a shootout with Mac Jones. But... Baltimore offensively, Lamar's been incredible. It's contract year Lamar, and he's going off for basically four touchdowns every game. And based on Baltimore's defensive injuries, I know that Peters is back and Humphrey played. They still give up a bunch of points and a lot of big plays. And I do think as a result, both defenses are going to struggle. I think that Buffalo is going to once again torch the secondary for 350-plus passing yards because they don't run the ball anyway. Baltimore, I think the speed of Lamar is going to give Buffalo problems, especially since they were missing six defensive guys last week. I'm assuming some of them are going to return, but probably not all of them. So Buffalo's defense might be a little bit compromised. But I like the over because from what I've seen so far, both these offenses are really, really good. And I'm not sure how good the defenses are going to be with some health concerns on both sides. Give me the over, even though it's 52 I think one of these teams or both these teams could get to 28. So I'm going to go with the over. So for perspective, 
the Baltimore's average per game is 33 points per game. Buffalo is averaging just over 30 points per game. So you put those two together, and that is way over this 52 mark. And look, even still, if Baltimore hits their average at 33, which, you know, go back, you just said 37 against New England, 38 against Miami, uh, 24 to open the season against new, new, uh, the Jets, but... I mean, who needs to score that many points against the Jets to win anyways? Uh, and, and then you turn around to Buffalo, 41 against Tennessee, 31 against L.A. Yeah, they, they threw a, a clunker up against Miami. But, again, these guys, all they got to do is hit somewhere around their average. And, and even if, like I said, Baltimore hits 33, all Buffalo's got to do is hit 20. And I think, I think Buffalo can hit 20 with their eyes closed like they did in Miami. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like this over as well. It's just not hard for these teams to score points, to be honest with you. And it doesn't matter who they're going up against. Uh, they just they score points in bunches. So I like the over on this one. I don't think it, it's too difficult to imagine a game where it's, you know, 30, 33 to 20 or 35 to 25 or something in that vicinity. So, Yeah, I see a competitive game involving a lot of points. I think the point is both offenses are very, very unique in the sense that you can't really game plan for Lamar in the league. And I don't know how you prepare for Josh Allen either. So you've seen both quarterbacks kind of do mostly whatever they want. Now, once again, people are going to see Buffalo's underwhelming point total last week. But look at the yards. They had a pretty good game. The issue was they couldn't punch it in for touchdowns. I think one of these teams will probably get to 30 from what I've seen from these units. And if that's the case, I could definitely see a 30-24 type of game, something like that. Or maybe get a full-on track made and they each reach 30. But I think 52, 52 and a half does sound actually a little bit low based on how good these offenses have been. Yeah, and I'll take, I'm seeing 51 and a half out there too. I'll take that for sure. Uh, that way I can take the, the underhook on that and get a, over 52 and not push on that yeah, as I'll, well. If, if you can find a 51 and change, I'll gladly take that. Yep, I definitely will too. Um, all right, well, yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to, to, to go too much on that one. Obviously, we know that these two teams can score and, you know, if both of them can score against each other, you're in for it. Uh, let's move on to the L.A. Superchargers. Not quite so super yet uh, as they are one and two and taking on the Houston Texans at 0-2 and two. Look, this one's at 44 and a half. Uh, and, and I mean, for good reason. Obviously, we talked about Houston's struggles a couple of games ago. And look, the Chargers are not necessarily feeling it because they've got a, a nicked up quarterback. So. I mean, their their offense wasn't even looking all that great. I, I'd say great, but, you know, it wasn't like we were used to last season, even before Herbert got hurt. So, I mean, here we are at 44-and-a-half with him and the, and the Houston Texans. This may be a very ugly game for both. So, I, I don't know about you, Scott, but I, I'm probably leaning the under on this one. I think this one's very, very tricky. It's one of the most difficult parts of doing a total show on a Tuesday. Because you don't know who the hell is going to play from, you know, the injury report during the game last week. And you have to kind of speculate. Herbert played. He didn't play well. I mean, he was awful for basically the majority of the game. He had one crazy throw to Guyton. That was basically it. But besides his injury that he's been playing through, Lindsley got hurt, who's their starting center. Slater got hurt, who's one of the best tackles in the league. Keenan didn't play. And you got to wonder what weapons they have or if they can even protect Herbert because you don't know who's going to play on that offensive line. And Slater and Lindsey are two very, very good offensive linemen at their respective positions. And I'm not sure how they're going to protect Herbert without him. 
And we saw even in that game, when they got hurt or when they got a little bit banged up early on, Jacksonville swarmed them. And Jacksonville had a strip sack. They got to Herbert a lot, so that's a bit concerning. But on the other hand, the Chargers gave up 38 points to Jacksonville. And Bosa got hurt. So the whole team is banged up right now for the Chargers on really both sides of the ball. So I'm, a, I'm trying to think of how to actually attack this. I think I'm actually going to lean to a surprise over in this game just because I like the fact that both teams naturally play in a dome, but they're going to be playing in Houston, which will be a dome. They played last year, and I'm not saying you could fully judge you know, the total in this year's meeting because of what happened last year. Uh, Houston pulled off a very surprising upset. I know that it killed some people in Survivor towards the end of the year. But if you look at last year's meeting, they ended up com- combining for 70 points. It was 41-29. to 29. Uh, You had a defensive touchdown or two in there. I'll concede that point, but still. 70 last year is a little bit wild for me. And even though the offensive line is a concern for the Chargers, I'm not sold on Houston's defensive line. Bosa being out potentially is a big deal. He gets hurt every year, but he's a great defensive lineman when he plays. I'm going to go with the over because I do think that both teams can generate enough big plays. Weather's not a concern, but you still have Cooks on one side. You have Mike Williams on the other side. There are weapons here. And the Texans finally, finally unleashed Pierce out of the backfield. And he looked really good. We've been calling for it for weeks. They finally did it. I'm going to go with the over. I think that even though there are question marks, this total is a little bit low. Would it shock me if the Chargers found a way to get to 27 or 30? No. Would it shock me if the Texans got into the mid-20s because the Chargers' defense is a bit banged up? No. They give up 30 at the Jacksonville. So I'm going to go with the over, kind of hoping that one of these teams breaks through, maybe both. I think you'll get a competitive game here. But I'm going to go with the over. We're going to disagree on something. I don't feel great about it. But maybe I'm just overreacting to last year. 70 points is a ton. I feel like this is a little bit too much regression to the mean expected. I'm going to go with the over. So you even go back another game before that, and they scored 47 in their meeting in September of 2019. So both of the the times that these guys have met in the last few years, it has gone over this point total particularly. So I, it's not out of the question. I and and I definitely would you know agree with a lot of the points you make. I just don't know that I've seen it this season. So yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know. 44 seems like a trap. If it was if it was 48, then I would feel more comfortable. Uh, you know, taking the under, if it was 43, like we've seen, or 40, you know, 39, like we've seen, I would definitely take the over, but this seems like one of those middle of the road trap numbers to me. So it's going to be close no matter how you slice it. I'm just going to lean to the over. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to Seattle taking on Detroit. Uh, (laughs) Scott, I'm looking at this total and I have to chuckle because we're looking at a Detroit over under that is 50 points against Seattle. Now, look, I know Detroit has done some uh, pretty headlining things lately. Obviously, they've hit the over in every matchup that they've been in this season, but they're playing the Seahawks, and I don't know. This may be playing down to their opponents, even though they didn't play down to Washington uh, earlier in the season. I feel like Washington played up to them, but I don't know. This This one's tricky to me. 50 points between Seattle and Detroit. Is this possible? I think, it's, I think it's definitely possible. I think I'm actually leaning to an over. It's really going to come down to Geno. Because I know for a fact Detroit can move the ball against this team. Because Seattle's defense is terrible. And Mariota torched them for the majority of the game. 
They couldn't stop the run. Pete, uh, Patterson had a hundred and X amount of yards. He, he, he killed them. But I do think Detroit is a good offensive team. I know Swift might not play. He has a shoulder issue. He's going to be out indefinitely. I still really like Jamal Williams. I think he's a very good running back, especially as a backup who can come in and be a quality spot starter for a couple weeks. I don't think they're going to lose that much production with Williams at the starting running back position as opposed to the backup. You still have Amon Ross St. Brown. You still have a pretty underrated offensive line, and you have some weapons there on the outside. Seattle's defense is so bad. And even in that game against Denver, they gave up a bunch of yards. They just didn't give up touchdowns. Last week they did. And I do think that Seattle's defense could give up 30-plus in this game. It really wouldn't surprise me. It's also in the Dome, so you don't have to worry about Seattle weather, some random rain in the West Coast. You don't have to deal with that. It's in it's in Detroit. I always like backing overs in non-weather games or non-weather factor games because it's one less variable to worry about. Seattle moved the ball against Atlanta, but Geno Smith still did Geno Smith things, and he threw a couple really bad interceptions. They tried to run the ball. They weren't that successful at it. But Geno looked pretty good last week, and Detroit's secondary is still not great. I'm actually going to lean to the over because I do think Detroit could score 30 in this game. I mean, hell, Atlanta scored 27. I I think that Detroit could score 30. I'm going to go with the over. I know that first glance, people are going to blindly like the under because it's Seattle being involved and Detroit. But Detroit's been a high-scoring team. Seattle's played basically no defense. I'm going to go with the over. I think you'll see points. So Detroit has scored 71 collective points in their home games this season, 36 against the Commanders, 35 against the Eagles. So, yeah, I mean, they're putting up points at home. They're, they're giving their fans a show over there at the, uh, at the Dome in Detroit. And you, so. said, you, you said how many points to Washington? They gave up 27 to Washington? They gave up 27, but they scored 36 against them. Yeah, Washington scored zero offensive points against Philly last week. And I believe at some point in the second half, Philly was outgaining them in passing yards, 324 to negative one. Negative one. Like Carson Wentz scored 27 points against this defense. I think Geno Smith can do something. Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, okay, fine. I, I didn't, did I say lean under? Because now you've convinced me to take the over on this one. I just, Carson, they scored like three, four <laughs> touchdowns with Carson Wentz. Like, I, I got to assume Seattle can move the ball a little bit. Uh, they have been able to. Uh, they've scored a few points here and there. And I think Detroit easily can score another 35 at home against Seattle, like you said. Hell, maybe even 38. So we'll see. And then all, that just leaves uh, Seattle having to score what, uh, quick math, 2012, something like that, whatever. I think they'll yeah. get there. And you look at the first two games for Seattle. Offensively, they were not very good. However, we saw the two opponents that they played against play each other on Sunday night. Those are two really, really good defensive teams with the Niners and the Broncos. So even though Seattle's offense I don't think is very good, I at least have to acknowledge when you face off against two elite defenses in the first two games of the season and you don't perform that well, People will overreact to how bad your offense is when you should be giving more praise to the defense. Then they face the Falcons. They do not have a good defense. And Seattle broke through for 20-plus. So I feel like they were kind of victimized based on public perception by the strength of competition in weeks one and two. And against the bottom feeder defense, they put up 20 and change. I see a similar story here in week four. I agree. If you can find 49 and a half, grab that. I like that too. Cause I mean, not that I think this is going to push at 50, but 
by and large, yeah. if you can take an under uh, hook, then then grab that as well. So, yeah. all right, many more games to break down for you. Let's step away for a quick break and tell you about No House Advantage. They're changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or more in cash. Download the app. Choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props over unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You don't want to miss out on this Sign up now with promo code SGPN at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app to get a first deposit match up to $25. Promoguy.us is the best place to go if you're interested in plus EV betting strategies. They've got daily updates on odds boosts and huge cash bonuses from all the major sportsbooks. And they've got a VIP Discord group that puts even deeper plus EV analytics right at your fingertips. Gotta say, we've been looking at their daily promo updates and they're some of the most informative in the game. They don't simply tell you what team is possible to win, but where you'll get the best odds and how to track down and cash in big on constantly changing promotions. If you're not already using mathematical models to help you with your picks, you're missing out on insanely valuable tool. And the best part of it all, Promo Guy is run by a small team of passionate sports fans dedicated to building a well-informed, better betting community. Go to promoguy.us and check out their 100% tracked, transparent, and proven method for betting smarter. So make sure you check out promoguy.us. I'm throwing out a lot of numbers at you today. We're giving you a lot of over-unders. We're giving you a lot of the odds on that. And where am I finding all of these? Do I have a million tabs open across my computer, my neighbor's computer, and my parents' computer all the way in the ma- No, I don't. I have got one tab open that I'm giving you all this information, all of the research to back this information. That tab is oddstrader.com. It is the place to compare odds from all the major sports books, not just the point totals, but the money lines, the spreads. Plus, it gives you all of the sign-up codes and promotions from sports books and sports books so you can compare them and get the best deal. It provides player stats, key game stats, injury reports, and even projected game day weather to make you the most informed better on the entire planet. It's got a bet tracker too, so you can keep track of all your records from all your betting activity. You got handicapping, play-by-play updates, live scores of bet tracking, player statistics, key game statistics, projected game day weather. It's all right there for you at oddstrader.com. Oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Oddstrader. It's the number one site for all of your game day bets. And we turn to Odds Trader, Scott, for our next matchup. It is the New York Jets taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers at Pittsburgh. This point total you can find in the 40 and a half, 39 and a half. There's a place that has it there. Uh, this is, um, I, don't, I don't even know if ugly is the right word for this matchup, Scott. Yeah, uh, it's not good. I'll tell you that much, but... You can look at it one of two ways. Either it's Joe Flacco against Trubisky or it's Zach Wilson against Trubisky. Now, I don't know which matchup is better, but those are your options. Because Wilson has been rumored to potentially return this week. He's been kind of practicing a bit, and it seems like he's progressing well. Plus, Flacco was awful last week. So if you want to pull the trigger, you have the option now. Pittsburgh's a tricky team to fully evaluate because we know the offense is really bad. However, the issue is the defense with T.J. Watt being out is also really bad. So they don't really excel at anything right now. 
The Jets' defense has been okay. It wasn't great last week, but, you know, Burrow eventually woke up and the offense looked pretty good. Chase really didn't do much because Sauce Gardner has been incredible as a corner. I know he had a touchdown late in the game, but he had like 30 yards. He really didn't do much in that game. I think I'm going to lean to the under. I feel obligated to because I still at least acknowledge how conservative Mike Tomlin is as a coach. And we saw him punt in plus territory a couple of times, and he wants to really force opponent offenses to go a long field. I know Pittsburgh's defense has not been amazing this season, but they still have some quality players in that unit. I still don't really like the Jets' offense. Besides the miraculous comeback against Cleveland, they scored nine points against Baltimore and 12 points against the Bengals. So I don't really trust this unit. And even if Wilson does play, he hasn't played since basically the first week of preseason. I am a bit concerned on how Rusty is going to look. I think you're going to see an ugly game. I think there's a chance that maybe with a defensive score or so, it can go over, but I'm not going to assume that. I'm just expecting Pittsburgh to play field position game, uh, field position style of play, dare Zach Wilson to go 75-plus yards or even Flacco 75-plus yards on any given drive. And the Steelers' offense is broken. The Jets' defense is still pretty decent. I'm going to go with the under. I'm hoping Sauce Gardner gets matched up on Deontay. And if Deontay becomes a complete non-factor, good luck to Pittsburgh because I'm not sure what other options they have, but I'm going to go with the under. Yeah, this game is not a primetime game, but it certainly will play like one, I think, too. It's, yes, it will. It's not gonna mm-hmm. it's not gonna be pretty. And yeah, 39 and a half, uh 40 and a half, depending on where you can find it. Look, th- these guys, Pittsburgh played in two games uh, to start the uh, season that were well, I mean, look, Cincinnati was 43 was their point total, but that was still, you know, barely there. And then New England, they didn't even hit 40. So, uh yeah, I'm not liking their chances of being able to do it and whether it's you know, and Zach Wilson, even if he does start, he's not going to be 100%. So them moving the ball is not necessarily going to be that much of a thing, even if Zach Wilson does start for the Jets. So, yeah, I mean, this is a ridiculously low point total, but for good reason. And I'm definitely taking the under on this, especially if I can get it at 40 and a half. I mean, 39, it, what's a point, right? But even still, it's the difference between like a, a 19 to whatever score versus uh, – um, Anything else? So, for the me- record, if Wil- if Wilson is the quarterback, I'm going to sprinkle something on Pittsburgh defensive touchdown. Ooh, good call. So, I so you, I don't want to say that you can go for a middle, so to speak. But once again, I think if this game goes over, you have one defensive score. Wilson, we know, throws a bunch of picks. So if he is under center, and his first matchup back is going to be at Heinz Field. I feel like you could try to potentially win both if you want to go with a defensive touchdown to be scored by Pittsburgh. And then that way, maybe both cash and you're double the happiness. But that's the one concern because Wilson, we know, is a gunslinger and he has not had many great results to show for it. So he thinks he can make a bunch of throws that I'm not sure if he can. And you might get a defensive score. I think that's what's that what that is what might burn you if you like the under in this game. Hey, man. Uh, you can go make that parlay happen over there at WinBet, too. Uh, make yourself a nice little little parlay out of it. Um, all right, Scott, if I told you at the beginning of the season that we would entertain a Jacksonville over at any point total, let alone 48, 48 and a half, you would say I was blank. 
I was misguided, but correct. <laughs> because I figured the defense would be so bad eventually you'd get a high total. So it's not it's not exactly how we got here, but the ends might have justified the means, maybe. But a total this high, I could potentially see it because I don't think any of us thought Jacksonville was going to be a good defensive team this season. I wasn't on I wasn't expecting Jacksonville to score 38 points last week, but you know, that's a whole separate story. But here we are. So what are your thoughts? Because the Eagles are a good defensive team, but they're also a really good offensive team. They've really just looked incredible in every aspect this season. And Jacksonville is an intriguing team in a really bad division. So my thought is this. Really all we need to to cash this is a 24-25 game, right? And we know that Jacksonville can do that because, like you said, they scored 38 against L.A. uh, last week, 24 against the Colts, and 22 against Washington. Whereas the Eagles, I mean, they Detroit. I'm just going to point to Detroit. Nobody thought that Detroit could put 35 points up against the Eagles, and they did. Now, this team... And apparently, Detroit's an elite offense, so I don't know what to think anymore, you know? <laughs> I don't know either. And, and so here we are talking about the Jacksonville offense being uh, somewhat in that, in that category now, with Trevor Lawrence maybe not figuring it out 100%, but good enough, right, to, to beat teams and actually put this team at 2-1. and one. So we're not talking that we need these guys to hit 30-some-odd points apiece. We're just talking somewhere in the mid-20s, and both of these teams have proven that, A, they can score that many, and B... They can give up at least that much against teams that are that are in the hunt, I should say. Minnesota, I don't know what the hell happened there. That was that was just primetime Kirk, right? So we'll just count that out. But Washington, that's that's Carson Wentz. And they gave up eight points to Carson Wentz. Okay. But, you know, to Detroit, no less. I, I think that's the one game that I'm gonna point to to say I like the over on this one because if Detroit can do it, I think Jacksonville can do it as well. So, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go with the under in this one. It's a little early to fully confirm what the weather is going to be. There's expected rain, so we'll see what happens. So, just keep that in mind. But I'm going to go to the under because both teams have been very solid defensively the last two weeks. Philly gave up eight points to Washington. It was a garbage time uh, touchdown there with a safety, you know, in the fourth quarters. They gave basically zero for the entire game. Then Minnesota, they shut down, ended up giving up seven there. Jacksonville gave up zero to Indianapolis. I know that they're a bad offensive team, but still zero points is zero points. And they gave up 10 points to the Chargers. So I actually like both defenses. And I think if one defense balls out, and if one defense gives up 14 points, you're in a very good spot for the under. I'm going to take the under. I think these defenses are underrated, and I think that one of them could break through for a very solid game. And if that happens... You're going to be up against it for the over because you need the other team to go nuts offensively. I'm hoping to meet somewhere in the middle. I'm hoping that Philly wins this game 27-17. But I think 48 might be a little bit high because I actually do like both these defenses. They've looked good for the last couple of weeks. All right, we'll just get a bunch of def- defensive touchdowns and we'll put it all to rest. Uh, okay, there you go. <laughs> seven, seven safeties, you know, we can talk about it. Oh, no, they're not playing the Niners, Scott. No, they're yeah. not. Uh, All right, let's move on to the Washington Commanders taking on the Dallas Cowboys. 41 and a half is the total here. Uh, And and again, you just look at two ridiculously crazy offensives going on. Obviously, we watched Dallas take on the Giants and go over uh, this mark, but Washington has really yet to prove 
uh, much of anything. So I don't know. 41 and a half, though, seems so low to me, Scott. I know it's one and two Washington going up against two and one Dallas, but what's your take on this one? I'm going to go with the over. It's a game between two bad teams or the Cowboys might be the second best team in their division, but it's not a good division. Washington's bad at everything. So it's tough to evaluate because they might not score much, but they'll give up a lot. I think Cooper Rush can move the ball. We saw them move the ball yesterday. They had to settle for a couple field goals, but they really didn't punt that much. I thought they actually did a pretty good job with the balance. Uh, Pollard looked good. Elliott looked okay. He had a touchdown in there. C.D. Lamb dropped everything except the one-handed touchdown pass. But still, I do think that the Cowboys can move the ball. And the defense is pretty good for Dallas, which surprised me. I thought the defense was not going to be good at all this season. But I do think the fact that this game is in Dallas, it's in a dome, it's a very low total for a dome game. I'm going to go over because I think Washington's defense can give up 28 points to anybody. And I think Dallas's defense, whether it's in garbage time or whether it's going to be in regular time, I think they could give up a couple of big plays. The, uh, uh, the commanders do have a decent amount of weapons. They have McLaurin. They have Dotson. I like Dotson. I think Dotson's good. And I do think that they can potentially generate big plays. I think that it's weird this game has a total of basically 41 when the Giants-Bears game has a total of like 40. Like, I don't, I don't think they should be pretty similar. I see more points in a dome game with an offense with the Cowboys that looked decent yesterday. I'm going with the over. Washington's defense might help you get there single-handedly, giving up 28 or so in this game, which wouldn't fully surprise me. But give me the over. I like the fact that in a dome, the total's this low. I'll try to capitalize on it. I'll follow you on the over. Uh, just also on the fact that, look, in, in Washington went over against Jacksonville and Detroit. So uh, Philadelphia, yeah, we talked about that, but Philadelphia's got a very, very good defense as well. And then, of course, we just talked about how uh, they went over with the Giants last night. So, And then, of course, uh, Cincinnati, I, that was a tough game anyways to call. But, yeah, I, I like the over on this one. This just seems like so low. And, and I, I think a, a 23-20 game, is in the works or even a, you know, 24 to, to whatever you need to get to, to 42 in that instance. So yeah, I definitely like the over on this one as well. Frustrating from my punts uh, prop bet standpoint that they were able to move the ball as well as they were, especially on those fourth downs. Don't go for it on fourth down punt. I needed those at least three more punts to, to cash the over on that one, which pissed me off, but oh well. Uh, I like the over on this one as well. All right, let's move on to Cleveland as they take on Atlanta. The Browns 2-1, and one, Atlanta 1-2, one and two, over under here, somewhere around 48.5. You can get it at 50 as well, depending on which side of the, the road you want to land on. I'm seeing it 49.5, so this, this one's kind of all over the place. I don't think bookmakers know what to think of Cleveland and Atlanta. Scott, can you, can you clear up the water any? I like the over. Uh, I ended up picking Atlanta to win against Seattle last week, and I compared the Falcons this year to the Lions last year. They're a very entertaining team in a lot of very, very close games, and you're going to look up at the standings and say they were competitive all year, and they're going to have five wins at the end of the year. It's just what they are. They're not a very good team, but they're entertaining. And you look at the offense, it's really not that bad. Patterson's a good running back. They also throw in a bit of Algier in there, but Patterson's their main guy. London's looked pretty good. Pitts finally did something. He had 80-plus receiving yards last game. But they have weapons, and Mariota's actually look decent. And I do think with the Falcons' awful defense, if you watch the game against Seattle, for three quarters, 
Geno Smith and Mariota were slinging it. And it means Atlanta's defense isn't very good because you let Geno Smith sling it for three quarters. But I'm going to go with the over. Brissett, I think, has looked good. And I don't think people were expecting that to be the case. Brissett, I always viewed as being a game manager. But he has been very solid this season. And, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a hot take. I said it previously on other podcasts, but I'll say it again. I think Brissett might be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm going to say that because I think Brissett's actually a solid. I think I think Brissett's good. I think people look at him and go, well, I remember him from Indianapolis and he kind of sucked and I don't really want to deal with him. I think we can agree up to this point. Brissett's been one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. He's been, he hasn't had a bad game yet. He's been pretty good. But I sorry I threw Jimmy G under the bus, but I kind of had to. But I'm going to go with the over. Cleveland's defense is also a mess. They let Pittsburgh go up and down the field a couple of times in a very windy game, which is a serious problem. And Trubisky looked comfortable in that game. Now, I'm not sure if Miles Garrett's going to play or not because he got involved into a car accident. I know that it was minor injuries, so he's not going to be, you know, out for a while. But do I think he's going to play after suffering from a car act from being in a car accident like five, six days later? Probably not. I think he might end up not playing. I'm going to go with the over. I like both offenses, and once again, it's in a dome. There's no weather involved because they're playing in Atlanta. But give me the over. I think Atlanta's just a very fun circus team that's going to be involved in a bunch of shootouts. So if you look at what's happening, if you can find it at 48 and a half, take that. Even 49 and a half, take that. Take the, take the lowest total you can get because I'm going over on this one as well. These teams have not played a game that's gone under this total at all this season, especially at 48 and a half or even 49 and a half. Seattle, they scored exactly 50 Atlanta did uh, to com- combined. But before, I mean, after that, it was 27-31 against the Rams, 27-26 against the Saints. Turned to Cleveland, it was 26-24 against Carolina, 31-30 to against the Jets, 29-17 against Pittsburgh. These guys, you're right, they've been in absolute shootouts, all of them. So the, the, under, or the over on this one is definitely in play because both of these teams just seem to score and give up many, many points in the course of a game. So um, this one will be a fun one fantasy-wise, too, actually. Because, uh, it, it, again, with, with points comes fantasy points. So this will be fun to kind of keep an eye on from your fantasy matchups as well. Yeah, I'm expecting a lot of points. I'm expecting basically a track meet. I just think that at the end of the day, both quarterbacks on paper, you won't be thrilled with. Mariota and Brissett, but if you've watched, if you've watched them this season, not bad, not bad. I think they're capable of exploiting bad defenses, and Cleveland's pass defense has been a travesty up to this point. So load up on your Kyle Pitts this week, probably. We'll see. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Right, fingers crossed for this Kyle Pitts. He had like game. seventy yards in the first quarter, and he finished with like eighty-seven. I'm like, he couldn't even get to a hundred after the first quarter. Like, come on. <laughs> Uh, All right, we got some more games to break down, but we'll step away real quick and ask you if you knew that the best day of the week was Monday or Thursday or Sunday. Why? Because it's NFL season. It's our favorite time of year. And whether you're into fantasy leagues, betting on your team, or just take talking highlights around the water cooler, NFL season got a lot better thanks to the Elias Game Plan app. It is the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL, NBA, and MLB. Elias Game Plan is the only sports app from the most trusted name in sports stats. It's the Elias Sports Bureau, the official 
statisticians of the U.S. Pro Sports Leagues. Look, we give you a lot of numbers on all of the shows across the SGPN, and we have Elias Game Plan to help us because we want you to know that our strategy is backed by numbers, not just our intuition. We are a network based around the stats and based around giving you hard numbers to back each and every one of our takes. So we turn to the Elias Game Plan because it is an app from the most trusted name in sports stats, the Elias Sports Bureau, the official statistician of U.S. Pro Sports Leagues. Look, you want to elevate your NFL season today? Go download the Elias Game Plan app. That's E-L-I-A-S. Right now, we got a special offer when you subscribe. Get 15% off your annual subscription, but only if you use our promo code SGPN15. Find Elias Game Plan sports betting in the App Store or Play Store. Use our promo code SGPN15. If you watch football, you need to watch Fubo TV. Fubo TV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football with NFL Red Zone Plus games in 4K at no extra charge. You get over 100 channels of live sports and entertainment for a fraction of the price of cable. Watch on all your devices. Never miss a game or an episode of your favorite shows with the included cloud-based DVR+. Plus. No contract, no commitment, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, you can try Fubo TV free for seven days and get 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash SGP. That's F-U-B-O-T-V.com slash SGP. The NFL day rolls on in the afternoon as the Arizona Cardinals head to Carolina to take on the underwhelming Panthers, both one and two. Both struggling franchises, and the over-under at this one is set at 42, 43 and a half, somewhere in that vicinity, to pretty much reflect the fact that both of these teams are hurting and hurting badly. I'm going to let you go first. Do you have any thoughts on this? <laughs> yeah, this one's yucky, but I still feel like this is a low total. Uh, 42, I get it, but we've seen that both of these teams can actually do something offensively. We saw Arizona... Uh, go toe to toe with Vegas and go twenty nine to twenty three. Uh, obviously, they blew up, or they the Kansas City blew up against them forty four to twenty one. So, really, two of their games, two of their three games, have gone over this point total in particular. But then they did something against the Rams where it was only thirty two points, right? So, this is a head scratcher. Whereas Carolina, you know, twenty two to fourteen against the Saints, nineteen to sixteen against the Giants. They did have that one kind of barn burner of a game against Cleveland. So this is another team that is underperforming what their roster says they should be. I'm going to, I'm going to take the under on this one, but I don't feel good about it only because the last couple of, or last week for both of these teams were, I think what we're really going to see out of these teams for the rest of the season, Arizona still not with DeAndre Hopkins, still missing him. And Kyler Murray guy hasn't done his homework. Plain and simple. He's, he's not doing his homework, and he's looking like it. Yeah, he, he won against Vegas, but that was the luck more than anything else. And really, if that wasn't uh, if, if that score didn't happen in the last one or overtime didn't happen, I don't think that would have gone over anyways. So, yeah, we're talking some lackluster games from both of these teams, and I don't know that either one of them are going to get to 20. I'm going to go with the under as well uh, from kind of a different angle. It's a very interesting spot for Arizona because they play in a dome, and the one road game they won was against the Raiders, who play in a dome, which means this will be the first outdoor game the Cardinals have played all season long. And normally, dome teams do not fare well playing outdoors, especially offensively. So I am curious if the elements play a factor in this game. 
Carolina is used to playing outdoors. They're just bad at offense. So I do think you're going to see a lower scoring game there. Mayfield does not look great. Uh, they beat the Saints because the Saints really couldn't move the ball for the majority of the game. McCaffrey's look good, though, which is definitely a nice, a nice uh, you know, spot there uh, for the offense. But I do still have questions about Mayfield. The defense was incredible against the Saints last week. So I do think the defense could generate pressure and could force Murray into a lot of, precar- of precarious situations. I am going to go with the under, though, because I try to fade teams that are in a dome playing outdoors. It's week four. They have still not played an outdoor game. I'm assuming the Cardinals are going to look a little bit out of sorts offensively this game, and Carolina's natural offensive state is being out of sorts. I'm going to go with the under. Yeah, I, like I said, both of these teams really just searching for identity. Arizona not off to the start that they want, so uh, they're going to. I, I just I don't think they're going to get there until at least DeAndre Hopkins back, gets back, and at that point, it might be too late. Well, maybe not because the rest of the teams in the NFC West are not looking all that great either. So, um, all right, let's move on to the Las Vegas Raiders as they take on the Denver Broncos in Las Vegas. 44 and a half, you can find this. Uh, obviously, we, we watched Denver squeak by the 49ers in prime time, and that score was well under anything that you can imagine. Uh, Denver yet to play a game that's hidden over. And then Vegas on the other end has played one game that has hit an over, especially this total, uh, or two games rather, that has hit this total. So this is going to be a, a immovable object meets the, um, uh, I don't even know what to, to Unstoppable <laughs> force. Sure, but is really anybody unstoppable on either one of these squads? No, but you, you were the one who started the metaphor, so I was trying to help you finish the <laughs> thanks, metaphor. Thanks for bailing but, that one out for me, bud. No problem. Uh, but... Uh, the Raiders' defense is so bad, but I got to take the under. I don't know what Hackett is doing with Denver. I, I have no idea what type of offense they're even trying to run because you look at them on paper. The team has a lot of weapons. Now, I'm not a Judy guy at all. I never have been. I thought that he dropped too many passes in college, and that's carried over into the pros. I do like Sutton a lot. I think Sutton's good. I think Albert O is good as a tight end. The offensive line's pretty decent. And they have two good running backs. Gordon's probably past his prime, but still, they got Williams, who's very good. Denver's defense is incredible. They have such a great defensive unit. And we saw the Raiders really struggle to capitalize fully on drives against Tennessee's pass defense. And Tennessee got torched by Buffalo. And I know Buffalo's a good offensive team, but the point is Diggs did a bunch of stuff. He went for like 12 catches for 150 yards, three touchdowns. And Devontae Adams did nothing last week. He had a touchdown, but barely any yards. I'm going to go with the under because from what I can tell, Denver's defense is elite and the offense, whether it's because of Hackett's scheme or play calling or whatever reason, the offense is extremely underwhelming. I think Denver so far this season is a pure under team because the defense is elite and the offense for whatever reason is not good. I'm going to take the under. Yeah, even if something happens in this game and the Raiders can make it to like 30 points, I don't know that uh, the Seahawks are going to, or I'm sorry, the the Broncos, Russ Wilson, still engraved in my head as the NFC West as that. Yeah, I don't see them. I don't see them holding up their end of the bargain, and I don't even see Vegas getting to 30. So, um, yeah, definitely give me the under on this one as well. 45 and a half, like I said, 46 if you can find it. I'm not sure if Vegas gets the 20 in this game. I mean, they got the 22 against Tennessee because of a fourth down jump ball with two minutes to go. And Tennessee's defense, we talked about before, isn't very good. 
Denver's is. I think the Raiders probably score 17 tops in this game. I'm really high on this Denver defense. I think it's a really good unit. I'll take 17 to 10 so long as Devontae Adams gets one of those touchdowns. Uh, it works for me, but the point is you're looking at a number where even if Denver scores 27 and it's 27-17, you still go under. So I'm going to take the under. Love it. Uh, all right, here we go into Green Bay where the New England Patriots are taking on the Green Bay uh, Packers. Oh, why was I going to say Panthers? Green Bay Packers. Uh, the offense the, looks like the Panthers. <laughs> it's looking pretty bad lately. Although, although Aaron Rodgers did top New England's old quarterback, Tom Brady, last week. Uh, the over-under here, Scott, 40 points. We're talking 40 points with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback of the Green Bay Panthers. But, but, Scott, this is not without warrant. Last week at Tampa Bay, 14-12. The week before that, Chicago, 27-10. And then at Minnesota, it was 23-7. None of their games, Scott, have even reached 40 points in this matchup. Whereas for New England, they went over uh, 45 points, but that was because they were playing Baltimore and they really had to keep up. Pittsburgh, 17-14. Miami, 20-17. Not very good showings over the first three games. Uh, games of the season for either one of these offenses or teams in general. Yeah, it's been a very, very interesting road for both teams. New England, I thought was going to be really bad this year. I had them going seven and 10. I feel like the only reason why people like this team was because of Belichick and they ignored the fact their entire roster is just not very good. And we've seen that up to this point. Green Bay is a weird team to evaluate because they've won games. They played the Bears. Congrats. You know, you always beat the Bears. And you beat Tampa Bay, who was missing its top three receivers. And you needed a two-point conversion to win that game anyway. I don't know how good Green Bay actually is. The defense, I think, is pretty good. The offense, I think, has serious problems. But we'll cross that bridge when we cross that bridge. New England gave up 37 last week to one team. That wasn't the full game total. The total in this game is 40. Now, Green Bay's offense is a lot worse than Baltimore's right now. It's not really close. However, can I take an over 40 with Brian Hoyer or Bailey Zappi at quarterback? That's the real question, because Mac Jones is probably not going to play. Jones has a bad sprain. He's going to be out for probably a month at this point. First of all, who do we think is actually going to start this game? That's one place to start. Do you think Hoyer gets the start? Do you think Zappi does? I'm hoping Zappi does because I really liked him at Western Kentucky. I thought he was a lot of fun. We'll see. I'm rooting for Zappi, but we'll see what happens. Who do you think starts? Uh, I, I would think that it's probably Hoyer. I mean, Hoyer is the known commodity at this point. Everybody knows Brian Hoyer. He seems to always get the nod at, at a backup quarterback position when somebody wants to bring in one of them. So, I mean, does he last long? Eh, probably not, but I think he at least gets the start. I think a lot of people are going to uh, – because, again, you just see that. You see Hoyer trot out as that backup quarterback that they're like, okay, we'll, we'll give Hoyer. And then they realize, okay, we're giving Hoyer the shot. Never mind. Yeah, so I think I'm going to go with the under. I, I just have questions about Green Bay's weapons, particularly on offense with the receiving core. Lazard's good, but he's always hurt. Dobbs was pretty good last week, but, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. And I do think, even though the Patriots' defense is not great, that they can – do enough against an underwhelming receiving core to force Green Bay into some slow, methodical, handoff-heavy drives. 
And I think that New England's not going to really do anything offensively in this game. So maybe it's because I'm just expecting New England to drag down the total single-handedly with Hoyer and with really an underwhelming offense to begin with. But I'm going to link to the under anyway, because I do think Green Bay's defense is very good. And I think that their running game has gotten extremely uh, under undersold over the last few weeks. And, you know, holding the ball and maintaining clock is, is part of their game now, not necessarily letting uh, Aaron Rodgers fling it to Devontae Adams every single time. So, um, yep, I'll take the under on this one as well, just, just based on the fact that exactly what you said. I think New England's going to drag this thing down single-handedly. Even if Green Bay does win, it's not going to be by a ton. So, um, all right. Well, look. Scott, the last game that we're going to break down, I'm a little sh- shocked at the point total, uh, given that both of these offenses between Kansas City and Tampa Bay could easily top this over by themselves, let alone combine. But then again, we did see a lackluster performance from both of them uh, last week. So where does this put us? Kansas City, Tampa Bay, over under at this one is 44 and a half. 45 and a half in some places as well. I mean, this one's a, a tricky one, right? Who's playing for Tampa Bay? I know Mike Evans is back. Do we know if Godwin's going to play? No. Do we know Julio's going to play? I'm assuming he's not going to because Julio's barely playing at the stage in his career anyway. But I'm going to go with the under. Kansas City, after week one, I think has been pretty underwhelming offensively. And I know that Mahomes and Biennemi kind of had a brief discussion there right at, uh, during halftime, or they seemed to not be on the same page. I don't think Kansas City's offense, particularly in the red zone, is that good. I think that, of course, it's above average because you have Mahomes, but you're looking at the weapons. Kelsey was off. He was not very good against the Colts, but you know, you could have a bad game when you're one of the best tight ends of all time. But you look at the receiving core. Do you really like any of the receivers? Because I don't think they have many options. And Halern had seven carries for zero yards yesterday. They can't really run the ball either. And Tampa's defense is incredible. It's a hell of a unit. I think they're going to pressure Mahomes. I think they'll do a good job on Kelsey. They have White. They have a couple good linebackers who could match up and give him some problems. And I do think that the receiving core is not really good enough to exploit the secondary. I think Kansas City struggles offensively. I think that the Buccaneers will look pretty good offensively, but I do wonder who's going to actually be available. I'm going with the under. I see another ugly primetime game. I know both of us loved the under in the Packers and Buccaneers game last week, even though it was Brady and Rodgers, and you saw a total of basically 40, and we said, I'm not sure either team gets to 17, and neither team got the 17. It was a disgusting game of football. I think this one will be a little bit better, but I'm still picking the under because I have questions about both teams offensively, and Tampa's defense is really just an insane unit. That's a hell of a squad. Yeah, and look, like you said, Mahomes, not necessarily looking Mahomes-esque as of the last couple of days. Or last he couple looks of games. fine, but you're expecting Mahomes to drop 35 points in every game, and that just hasn't been the case because the weapons aren't there. Exactly, exactly. I mean, Tyreek Hill being gone definitely is is exposed for both of them, to be honest with you. You know, you see it in Miami, too, where Hill had a, a, a breakout and then kind of went back into obscurity. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a mess in and of its own right. But, yeah, I mean, I think a lot like what we talked about with, with uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady last week can hold true for Mahomes and Brady this week where I don't think this is going to be the highest scorings of games. 
44 and a half is right in that sweet spot, but I, I think I'll take the under with you as well. Given that we, you know, we've seen this happen, both teams, last week even. Like, I mean, you know, all you have to do is point back to last week and what happened. So um, I like that as well. Give me the under here. I know it seems sacrilege, but I, I think there's going to be a lot of between the 20 plays and we may see some field goals lined up between uh, uh, Kansas City and Tampa Bay in this game. Yeah. Mm, I agree. Uh, all right, Scott. So we don't give locks and dogs, obviously, in these, but we do give you uh, the point totals and our favorite over-under. So, Scott, why don't we start with you? What, what do you want to queue up first? So for my actual lock, I'm, I had so many unders that I'm wondering if I should just take an over for the hell of it as my uh, favorite full-game total. You know what? No, I'm going to save that. I'm actually going to go to a matchup between the where, uh, which under do I want to take? Um, I'm going to go to the matchup between the, you know, we're going to go Bears Giants for this one. Total is 39. I'm going to take the under. I get the desire to see a game reach 40. I just don't see it happening in this matchup. I said before, Fields has had less than nine completions in each of the first three weeks. He doesn't throw the ball. They don't let him throw the ball. The Bears offensively are just going to try to drain as much clock as possible because they call handoffs about 80% of the time. And the Giants offense has been really not great. It's been good enough to win two games. But your best receiver is now out for the season, and you have to have other guys step up. We know Galladay is getting paid to step up, but he hasn't done anything. You're using Sills for a decent amount of snaps. You mentioned Richie James. The point is they're throwing out a lot of guys you wouldn't necessarily trust in this spot. I think both defenses are pretty good. I like the under 39 there. I'm expecting a really, really <clears throat> ugly game. But Shepard is so valuable to that team's passing attack. And now that he's not there, I think that the Giants have a lot of offensive problems. And they're on a shorter week because they played Monday Monday night. I'm going to go with the under 39. I know it's a low total. You can probably find 39 and a half somewhere. But I do think as a result, you're going to see a pretty ugly rock fight breakout between these two teams. And grab it now, because I don't know that that thing's going to stay. It may drop. It may even go down a couple before the, the actual game starts. So grab it as high as you can before I think it plummets and before everybody starts to figure out. Maybe the money goes on the unders and uh, and starts to push the price down. So uh, I like you there as well. I'm going to go ahead and take it over there, Scott. We talked about Seattle-Detroit. I'm going to go ahead and take that over as my lock. I, I'm, I want a reason to cheer for the Detroit Lions this week. I, I want part of that feel-good story. Uh, but we talked about it. I mean, these guys have been able to put up points. They're at home. They're against Seattle, who they'll probably be able to put up a lot of points against. And Geno Smith could score just enough to help push this to the over uh, where Detroit picks up the rest of the slack. So, um, like I said, give me a reason to cheer for America's new team, the Detroit Lions, and uh, and and give me the over 50. Uh, if you can find it at 49.5, please do. Um, but most places are, are finding it at 50. So grab that now. And, and look, maybe even you want to wait for it to drop a day or two. Maybe it'll drop, but um, I don't think this one's going to move. I think this one will stay pretty much put the whole time. So give me, give me the over here, 49.5 uh, or 50 against the Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, yeah, Scott, what, what do we got for team totals? What are you looking at for team totals here? 
So for a team total, I'm going to back one of the best defenses in the league right now. I'm going to take the Raiders team total under 23 and a half at roughly minus 105. They scored 22 against Tennessee. And I can guarantee you one thing. Tennessee's defense is a lot worse than Denver's. Denver's defense is incredible. And even though Denver's offense has not been amazing, at least their punter's good. So the Raiders might have a couple of long fields to work with. But the fact that I'm expecting the Raiders solely because they're at home to suddenly wake up and have this offensive outburst, 24 points, not really an outburst, but you get my point. And they really didn't do that much last week. They had the jump ball touchdown. They probably should have scored 16 against Tennessee. They're not good in the red zone. They don't have a great coach. And Denver's defense is great. I think 23 and a half is a little bit too high. I'm going to dare a team to go over against Denver because Denver really excels at every single position in that defense. And I'm not saying Sertan can guard Adams, but I do think he's a hell of a corner who might make life a little bit difficult. I just think this total is too high for a Raiders offense that really hasn't been that good this year. I agree. Uh, We talked about it earlier about how just (laughs) bad, bad, bad. So I'll take you on that one. All right, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. Their team total is 20 and a half. Give me the Cheerio. under. Say again? Cheerio. Cheerio. Yep. 20 and a half. I'm going to take the under at minus 115 for this one. Ah, look, man, it's the Saints. They they scored 14 against Carolina, 10 against Tampa. Yeah, they scored 27 against Atlanta, but boy, we have not seen that same offense in the last two games. And, and look, Minnesota, for what it's worth, Like, they held Detroit to 24 points, they held Philly to 24 points, and they held Green Bay to 7 points. So that tells me that this defense is at least capable of holding the New Orleans Saints in that hard-charging non-offense that they've got there to under 20 points, under 20 half points. Even if they score 20 points, you're still cashing on this one. But, yeah, I, I like the Saints under 20 and a half as a team total. Yeah, you know, you got the international angle, so we'll see if there's a potential jet lag for both teams. Uh, if only Northwestern was playing, they might be able to actually win a game. <laughs> Man, let me tell They're you. 0 for an American soil, so you know, maybe they could use another international game. That's more college, but still. Yeah, hopefully the game's going to be close, but at the end of the day, the Saints have really shown me nothing. And people look at the passing yards and go, well, Winston had like 340-something yards passing. It's like, that's great. The game was kind of out of reach the entire fourth quarter, and then he had a bunch of garbage garbage time drives. They didn't do anything for three quarters. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Nope. But that's why Flacco, you look at his numbers, like, you know, 300-something yards. Like, yeah, because they threw the ball 60 times. What does that have to do with anything? Like, you have to keep everything into context. Well, it's like, it's like saying that a running back rushed for, like, 400 yards, but he carried the ball, like, 200 times. You know, two yeah. yards of carry is not going to get you anything worth noting. How'd he do? He had a hundred. Oh yeah. You know, it's not bad. Yeah. He had 36 carries. Yeah. I don't, I, that doesn't really mean much, you know, but people only focus on the yards. Amen. Uh, all right, Scott, I think we have uh, well and thoroughly broke down this slate and given some people a lot to chew on. So uh, as we always do, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social media? So you can find me on Twitter at rice radio, R E I C H E O radio, Besides that, still doing a bunch of podcasts, the NBA podcast. I know that Terrell and I just posted a division preview. We got a lot more of those coming up. NBA season, roughly a month away. So plan accordingly. Besides that, still got tennis. Still got the NFL podcast, of course. 
uh, PropCast on occasion, fantasy football, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of content at SGPN, and it's all not it's all valuable information. So if you like making money with us and you like potentially learning about teams that you maybe don't know much about, we got you covered. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I know they save that for Christmas, but no, this is the most wonderful time of the year. So many sports going on, so much to keep up on. We thank you for listening to everybody here at the SGPN and keeping our wheels turning as we hopefully keep filling your pockets with money. Find me on Twitter at RJ Gomez. There's a link in my bio to everything I got going on, whether it's here, NASCAR, F1, CFL, NFL, AFL, whatever. It doesn't matter. USFL, it's all here. And then, of course, for my sportsbook review stuff, as well as my in-between media appearances, it's all on there. So follow me on Twitter. Of course, join the Discord, sg.pn slash Discord. Get in on the conversation and subscribe to us on the SGPN app. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. Thanks for joining us. We hopefully win you some money. Until tomorrow with more of the NFL Gambling Podcast, I'm Rod Gomez. He's Scott Reichel. Let's break those books and let it ride. Yeah.